I really don't know of too many places in this world where that last statement could be even more true. I'm going to repeat that. I don't know very many places in this world that it's okay to not be okay and that's okay is okay. I'm going to give you an insight to my week real quick. You know what, I'll just take a poll, because in a group this big, maybe somebody, maybe I have people that did, would, would join me in having a week like this. How many people had a week this week where you felt, literally, like you were in about the 30th round with Satan in a boxing ring? Anyone? It's okay to not be okay. Really. Life happens, doesn't it? It's okay to talk. It's okay to talk. Life happens, doesn't it? You think you have everything all in order, and you're doing what God says, you're trying to do what He says, you're trying to do what, he, what you think He wants you to do, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, and all of a sudden, out of absolute nowhere, comes a haymaker to the side of your spiritual head. Not from God. <laughs> See, God's not in the business of knocking us off track. That's Satan's job. If you've ever been in the gym whenever I, I've coached anything, and I have, I have players in this service or next service, it doesn't matter, but if you've ever been in the gym, my girls will tell you the same thing. There are, there are, there are two words that I absolutely hate when I'm coaching my team. The first one is I. That just puts you yourself and it disregards the rest of the team. You're not relying on the team, but it's I. You, so you put I. We, we have some smart aleck people that I grew up playing sports with, and our coach would say, no, there's no I in team. They said, no, but there's me. That's funny. It's T-E-A-M, me, that is in there, okay? When you say I, you separate yourself from a, a group of people that are helping you succeed and you get better. And then they say the word that absolutely drives me physically insane. They say this. They couple the word I with this. Ready? <clears throat> God, I don't even like saying this. Can't. No, you can't yet. You cannot accomplish this task yet. Coach Griswold, I cannot hit a right side attack cross court to the back corner. I can't. Do not say that. That's, that's illegal in practice. Can't say that word. You can't yet. You haven't accomplished it yet. But oftentimes what we do is in our spiritual game, the spiritual life that we live for God, this is what we do. We, we try and we try and we try. And instead of saying I can't, we say a word that just sets me off inside of me just way past I can't. You ready? We say this. <clears throat> I quit. In my household growing up, that word was not allowed. If you started something, you finished it. It didn't matter if you went out for cross country, which I did not. If you see me running, there's probably something great big behind me. You should run too, okay? That word was non-existent. I didn't play basketball. I didn't start in basketball in junior high. And I would go to my dad. I said, Dad, you need to come to the practice like all the other dads that come and let me get some playing time and you just show up with your authority. My dad was a butcher and a youth minister. The other guys owned businesses in town. It didn't matter. It didn't take away from the fact that I didn't have much talent in basketball. 
Listen, we revert back to junior high. I'm about five foot four both ways. I was. Okay, a couple inches shorter and I would have been a complete circle. Okay, it's not a right. And in eighth grade, my dad says, if you want more playing time, you go talk to the coach. I don't want to talk to the coach. I want to quit. Oh, no, we don't do that. There was not an option. That was never on the table. But it's funny how we grow up, and even if that mentality is not, was not instilled in us in, in, as a young person that quitting is, is okay, sometimes in our spiritual life, the only thing that we want to do is, God, I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and this person made me mad, and this person made me mad, and this person made me mad. I just want to quit. I'm just going to go to Cancun, and I'm going to live the rest of my life in happiness. Let me tell you something. No, you won't. You will not do it. You will not live in happiness because you're not doing what God wants you to do. That's where happiness comes from. And happy is not in the Bible, but that's where joy comes from. Joy unspeakable. We've talked about Jesus and his ministry. He came, John the Baptist prepared the way. Jesus comes and is baptized. Jesus is, is tempted. Uh, we talked about the cost of living for Christ we talked about the, what, the keys to life last, last week when, when Jesus taught us in, verse, in chapter 5 of Matthew about how to be teachable and how to be coachable. Listen, I have a, a girl, and she, she recently, I mean, in the last three or four years, got married, and they moved to, to Ohio. But she, she hit, if the, if the volleyball net's here, she was left-handed. She hit right side for me, okay? So they set the ball. She hit left-handed. That's where you, most of the time you put in the middle or right side. It's where you put a left-handed hitter, Okay. And I can talk about her because she's not here anymore. But her name's Morgan, and some of you know her, and some of you don't. But Morgan was right here. And I remember we had, was me, I was the assistant coach, and we had head coach. And the only thing that the head coach, and I'm not being, I'm not being, I'm not saying anything that I have not already told to this, this, this lady, okay? She was really good at a couple things. Number one was yelling. That's how she coached. You ever, anybody ever played for a, a yeller? Do it! Do what? I'm scared to death. What I try to do is this. Morgan, would, she's, not, she's not a learner from yelling. She's a learner from teaching. So I, w- I would say, hey, your approach is not good enough. I said, you're not starting back far enough. You're not getting the explosion off the ground. You're not coming through, and you're not ripping through the ball, because if you did, you would paint that line right there, and some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's okay. But I taught her. She wasn't able to learn very well from being yelled at. In fact, she shut down. Okay, I, I had coaches that yelled at me, okay? Um, and you have to listen when you're in college, but here's the deal. Morgan, in that situation, allowed herself to be teachable. And as a result of allowing herself to be teachable, she became successful. Now, not on her own for the team, She was then another asset. So when our setter was here, she had left side, middle, and right side she could set to. So instead of one or two people attack, we had three. On every rotation, we had three. That makes you more dangerous in the game of volleyball. But you have to allow yourself to be teachable. You have to allow yourself to be coachable. And here's where we we get, here's the point today. We say that we want God to teach us and coach us, but here's the problem. We don't take, even, even if it's from God, even if it's from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I love that last song. I don't think I'll ever get tired of that song. Uh, but we talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you ask for the Holy Spirit to come into your presence, or you try to reflect, I, I recently saw a video from a guy that you'll see soon about D groups, and he, he says these words, God wants us to get into his word. That's a sermon, period. 
God wants you in here. And don't think for a second that you can look into this perfect, perfect word of God and it reflect anything about you that is not going to be convicted because there's going to be something that you're not doing well, you're not doing it, and it does it with me. You know, if, if, we can be, if I can be really honest with you, there are times that I don't want to pick this up. Do you know why? Because it convicts me. Well, you can't do that. You're the pastor. Listen to me. I'm a human. When you're going through hard times in life, one of the hardest things you can ever do is pick this up and say, God, I need you to teach me. I'm not doing well right now. Instead, the world teaches us that it's a lot easier to just quit. Just quit. Just be done with it. Just, just be done. There's a reason that I grew up in churches that had five and 600 people on the enrollment and we ran 120 in worship. It's because 500 of them quit. Am I wrong? People that have experienced, am I wrong? I'm not wrong. We can go, we can go, we can go check, we can go check First Baptist in Albion. You can check First Baptist in Fairfield. You can check Emmanuel Baptist Mission when it was, when it was a church in Mount Carmel. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot more people on the enrollment that just said quit. Now, some of them have passed away and that doesn't count. They get out of that, Okay. <laughs> But there are people that have said, I'm done. I'm done. As Americans, we're really good starters. We're not good finishers. And in the Bible, the only thing that you read about is I want you to finish well. Otherwise, God wouldn't have said that his promises whenever we come in on two wheels with a completely banged up spiritual body and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done is at the end. You ever just want to quit? Let's just be honest. You just want to quit. Anyone? Anyone brave enough to say, I just want to quit? It would be so much easier to not be a Christian, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Somebody cuts in front of you, you have no moral compass at all. You can say whatever you want to. You you can intentionally see me coming down the road, going the speed limit, and you can pull out in front of me on purpose and slow down. Weirdos. Those people try me, don't they? I need Jesus on those days a lot. Listen, these are not problems that are unique to certain people. These are problems with all of us. There's all of us. There there are certain things in our life, whether it's a job, whether it's a a commitment, or whether it's this. God, Jesus, Jesus in in this sermon this morning, when he continues with the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about he talks about salt and light. And, 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 and some of this is going to be, oh, yeah, I've heard about that before. I, I have prayed for the last week that God would use his scripture because it's living and breathing, that he would teach you something and he would teach me something that we have never thought about, that we've never seen before. Or maybe it's a different application this morning. I believe it's in my, in my life, it's the times where I felt like quitting and I, and I said, God, I want you to teach me instead of quitting, I want to learn. If I look back and I see, I see this, little, this little roller coaster of spiritual growth, probably every time that I ask God to, make, to teach me and coachable, my, be coachable, my spiritual awareness and my spiritual level of faith has risen. When I wanted to quit, I wanted to quit. Dad, I'm not getting any playing time in basketball. What's the point? I go and I do like 800 killers or suicides, whatever you want to call it, line touches. They're not fun, okay? I do like 800 of those a day. I run this. I do this. I'm five foot four both ways. It's not fun for me to do this. I could roll faster probably at that time. So I said, this is not, this is not, any, this is not any fun. I don't want to play anymore. 
And he said, if you want to know, I'll never forget this. He said, if you want to know how to get better and what the coach, what the coach needs you to do to, to get more playing time, you go talk to him. Now, I don't know if you, had a, if you had a PE teacher like this. He wore the shorts that were like this high, buzz cut, scared me to death. Anyone have this person? Anyone? Scared me to death. I mean, he, he said, he would come out and he'd go, I mean, take, take roll like this. Griswold. I'm like, yes, I'm here. I don't want to not be here. I am so here. I don't want to do anything to upset him. He was my baseball coach. He was my basketball coach. And I came to him and I said, I have no idea how it had to have sounded, but I probably something like that. Mr. Nelson, I need to talk with you today after practice. Okay, I got to go. And he called me and he said, he said, Matt, do you, did you want to talk to me? And I go, you know, I said that, but I really don't want to now. And he goes, no, he goes, come on in. And I sat on the, on the desk, and I began to tell him and just, just say, hey, what can I do? What do I need to do to get better? Do you know, did you know that that's one of the most humbling things that you can ever ask of, from yourself to someone else? What do I need to do to get better? It's also one of the most humbling things you can ask God. God, what do I need to get better at? What do I need to get better at? I can tell you right now, over the past 11 months that we've been in Degru, I've asked God that question. He said, Matt, you need to be more intentional about being in my word. And I'm going to tell you right now, it changed my life. It changed my entire life. I sat across from my coach in basketball, and I said, I just poured my heart out to him. I was emotional, shocker. I was scared to death. I thought he was going to eat me. And he said, he said, Matt, you need to be, he goes, he goes, right now in eighth grade, uh, my eighth grade class, we had three guys that were six foot tall. Okay, five, four, six foot, it's not even close, okay? These guys were faster. He goes, you can shoot and you can pass. They're just faster and taller than you are. He goes, that's, that's tough to teach. But then he said this. He said, I appreciate you talking to me. His son's now the principal at Edwards County High School. Mr. Nelson has since retired. But in our involvement in volleyball and, and his son's daughters plays high school against us and we, we play each other, I, get, I run into Mr. Nelson. Do you know what he says to me every time that he, says, he sees me? Hey, Matt, how you doing? I said, I'm good, coach. And he even said this to me one time. He didn't have to. He said, he goes, I can imagine. Of course, he's, he's a grandpa now. So that kind of takes the mm, out of you. Okay, you know, anybody know people like this? Okay, so I talk to him now as an adult, and I'm like, I was scared of you? I'm not scared of you. But I remember back, I mean, he was like, <laughs> I mean, shorts to here. I mean, you have to be a man to wear shorts that short. I mean, you really do. T-shirt tucked in. He wore, I mean, he wore shirts like this. I'm like, good night. His biceps have biceps. I was scared. <laughs> Buzz cut, straight. I mean, he was straight old school. And he told me this one time. He said, you know, you're the only player that has ever came up and talked to me about playing time. He goes, I don't know, he goes, he goes, I don't know why that was instilled upon you to do that. Because from that day, you had not more playing time like you liked, he said, but you had my absolute respect. When we, when we ask people, when we ask God to teach us what we need to do better, you're being intentional. You're being intentional. That's what the world needs more of. It needs more intentionality. We're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 5, but some of us have a problem. Some of us have, have a problem. You ever get run down? 
Let's just, let's just everybody practice something. If I say something that you, that you don't do, you can put your hand down, okay? Just, just like this. You don't have to put it very high. Okay, keep it up if you have ever felt run down or stressed. Okay, now the pants just come up. Now they're like, oh, yeah, woo! Holy Spirit, yeah, you're praising worshiping right now. Yeah, I've been tired. I've been run down. Okay? How many people have struggled feeling good enough this week? How many people have struggled with thinking that they cannot be used by God this week? That's Satan. That's not of God. Listen, I'm telling you right now, if you want to be intentional and you want to be the salt and the light as Scripture tells us to be, I can promise you one thing. You are stepping into a ring with a much better boxer than you are. He knows where you're weak. He knows exactly where you're weak and he will attack you. The problem and the reason that he attacks you is to knock you down and he's like a backyard, he's like a, he's like a schoolyard bully. He knocks you down and he says, get up, I'm going to hit you again. You know why he does that? He's intimidating you. He can't beat what's inside you. But he's intimidating you. Don't get up. Don't get up. He was, he's intimidating us. Don't get up. Don't get up. I'll hit you again. The problem is he, ins- he instills fear and he instills this scared, like we're a little kid and we want to just stay in a closet and whatever because he knows if he can intimidate us and we won't get up, we won't use what's inside of us and he knows that Jesus is bigger than him. He knows it. Why else would he attack us? And that point is where we don't want to continue. We want to tap out. I'm done. I went out. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm done. I pray the absolute reverse about me and my family's life. But do you know the statistic, as of last time I checked, was of all current pastors currently right now serving around the world, that between 10 and 11% of them will retire as pastors? Do you know Why? Satan. Why, why would he not want to attack pastors? Why would he not want to attack people? You ever feel like you're not good enough? I'm glad. I'm glad because that means that you can't do it all yourself. And the world doesn't need anybody else that can do it all themselves. Okay? We're not like three-year-olds. Daddy, I can do it myself. Daddy, I can do it myself. Daddy, I can do it myself. And, you know, your, your child comes to you, Daddy, I can get dressed by myself. And they come out with like a pink mohawk, a, a turtleneck, and shorts. Okay? Nobody lives in this life. Everybody have this happen? I do it myself. Okay? You're like, that scares me. Okay? Those words still scare me. Okay? But listen, listen, in the Bible, Moses, theological people think that Moses had a speech impediment. or He didn't communicate very well, yet he led two, he led two million Jews to the promised land. He was able to be used. Paul was a murderer. Do not raise your hand if that's happening. Okay, just don't, okay? I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're just here about Jesus this morning. Paul was a murderer. Noah got drunk. The disciple Thomas earned the nickname Doubting Thomas because he, he didn't believe his fellow brothers that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Yet we don't think that God can use us, and that guy completely didn't believe his friends that the Savior of the world had been raised from the dead. And we're worried about our stuff. 
They're not new issues. Look at the, wor- look at the worship handout. Some of you that felt stressed out, you felt worthless, you felt like that during this week, look at the first blank on your, on your worship handout with me. God wants to use you. And I say, oh, that's a, that's a pretty cliche, that's a pretty easy blank to fill in. Question. When is the last time that you thank God that he had the ability to even use you? Or he even gave you the opportunity? This is, what I, this, is, this is what I love about God. This is what I love about the Bible. You can look all around America and we grade sin. Bad. Big time. Well, you know, you lie, but that's not like having an affair. Or you got a divorce and it's not like killing somebody. God says, no. You're all sinners. You're all on the same level. You all need me. The fact that we get to, and not, it's not a have to serve God, is a big deal. You can pray for a family. I, I, didn't get, I don't remember the, the husband's name, but I talk, we gave some food uh, away to a couple, and I talked to Carrie yesterday. She had two young kids, and her, her and her husband were walking out of Walmart, and I said, hey, do you have plans for Thanksgiving? And she said, we're going to my brother's house. I said, okay. I said, uh, how are things going in your life? It's amazing what people will say when you just are li- there to listen to them. I said, how's things going in your life? She goes, and she just stops. Like she, people don't know how to take you. You're standing by the soda machines outside of Walmart, and you're getting ready to give away food, and people think that you're like selling T-shirts or AT&T gift cards, something. That they, they think that you're selling credit cards and all this stuff. And she's walking away, and I said, I said how are you doing? And she stops. And she turns around in an absolute instant becomes 100% transparent with me. And she said, not good. I said, what do you mean? She goes, money's just kind of tight. I said, that's awesome. God put us right here for a reason. I know you're going to your brother. I said, but would you guys like a nice spiral cut ham for real? She got really emotional. The husband gets emotional, but he's a guy. We don't do that. He comes up to me. And he's like, <clears throat> he goes, I really appreciate it. And walks away. I said, the only thing that we want to do is tell you that God loves you. And she said, God bless you guys for helping people out. It's a get to. It wasn't a have to. It wasn't a have to. Have you ever wanted to quit something? Of course we have. Would it be easier not to go to church? Yes. Yes. Do you know, do you know how easy it would be for any deer hunter currently right now to not be in this sanctuary? The rut is on. What's the rut? It's when the guys get in trouble for chasing the girls. They're just like humans, okay? They get in trouble, okay? They chase their girlfriends all around. Listen, I'm telling you right now, the rut in southern Illinois, in Disneyland of deer hunting, in my opinion, the rut is in full-blown swing, and it's the only time those deer mess up. They're smart. Yet we have hunters all over this building that chose to come to church instead of go to a deer stand. That, that is important to me. It's, it's becoming the Christmas season. How many people like to shop? Raise your hand. I know you exist. Okay? Now, yeah. go shopping. Don't go to church. Sunday's not a day like it used to be. Sunday's just another day for merchandising and selling and business. I remember my grandpa, he wouldn't get out of his recliner on Sunday. He let me go shoot in the backyard. He let me go chase animals in the back. He would not get up. He would not work on Sunday. I know people that don't farm on Sunday. Listen, we have people in our church that serve in all kinds of capacities some of us don't. 
because we let fear get in our way. Or we think, I am not doing a good enough job. I just need to quit. Holy cow. Noah got drunk and Paul killed people. God used them. You haven't killed anybody. Chances are pretty good. And even if you have, God still can use you. He still can. He wants, he, the fact that God wants to use somebody like me blows my mind. Ah, no, Matt, but I've been a screw-up my whole life. You know what God allowed me to do last night? I had a guy message me while I was sitting in a tree, waiting on one of those dumb animals to come by me. And, and I didn't see a deer, and I came home, and there were 12 in my backyard. <laughs> I told you they were smart. They know they have GPS on me, and if I ever prove this, I'm going to be famous. Okay, I, I promise. But I had a guy, met, a buddy of mine, messaged me, and he was a member of a church with me in Albion. He since moved to Arizona, and he said, "Hey, I've got some questions for you." I said, "I'm going to call you after dark." He said, "No problem." I called him after dark, and Glenn said, "Hey, I need you to talk to my girlfriend. She grew up in church, and she feels like God's calling her back." Well, here's the deal. I talked to his girlfriend. And in a span of about 30 seconds, I found out that she went to a non-denominational church, but her brother died when they were at church. Think she blamed God just a tad? Since then, her family has turned to the Muslim religion. And God blessed me with the opportunity for about 20 minutes last night that I got to share the gospel with a person of the Muslim faith. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is God's son. They don't believe this. But she said, something about what you're saying is making sense. And I said, that's because he's real. I got to. It's, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a person that, that, that God needs to fulfill the Great Commission. He says, I want you to. And I'm a nobody. I love that song. I'm a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that saved my soul. I'm a nobody. God is it, God's it all. It doesn't matter if you're a screw-up. Look at the next blank in your worship handout. Some of, us need to, some of us need to underline in the first blank, that you, need, you need to underline the word wants. God wants to use you. And this, do you feel like you can't be used for God's kingdom? I'm going to tell you right now that if we all got in a little polling booth by ourselves and we were given this question, do you feel like you can't be used for God's kingdom? Every single one of us over the past week would say, yes. I don't feel like it can be, I don't, uh, I just feel like I'm useless. During those times, you need to find some people that will speak truth, not what you want to hear. Oh, here we go. I don't want to be accountable to anyone. Listen to me. If we are not accountable to God for the things that we do, we will not learn. You will not be taught. Mrs. Ritchie still lives in Mount Vernon. She taught me in Albion grade school, fifth grade. Also scared of her, for real. I see her every once in a while, and she comes up to me. She still knows my birthday. And it's really funny because she, she's very, very comical now that I'm adult, I think. <laughs> it wasn't funny then. But she came up to me. She goes, she, she goes I remember you got, you got second place to Katie Sample in a penmanship contest. It, there's a confession. I write like a girl. There you go. Okay, I write very neat. Okay. But she said, she, and she's funny. She goes, is your birthday still May 17th? I go, yeah, Miss Richie, that hasn't changed. <laughs> but I remember getting papers back from her that had more red ink on them than blue. I remember being critiqued and being graded and being held accountable for my work as a result of that. Listen to me. I became a better student. 
You become a better person spiritually if you allow God to teach you. But this is real. This is real. The, la- the latest statistic that I saw, between 46 and 48% of pastors or leaders in the church struggle from depression all the time. I'm not having a woe is me party, okay? I'm just telling you that we're no different than you. We're not different than you. Satan just likes to hit us a little bit harder because if he could knock the head of the snake off, the leader of the people, why, man, he could have a heyday. Do you feel like you can't be used for God's kingdom? Here's, here's the thing, you ready? That is a lie from the pits of hell. I'm gonna say that again. When Satan tells you that you cannot be used for God's kingdom, that is a lie from the pits of hell. Because apparently, for some odd reason, God chose that he wants to use me. And I'm telling you, if you knew me, you wouldn't be worried about the stuff that you have going on in your life. Because I've experienced life and I've done a whole lot of stuff that I don't, I'm not proud of. So Satan wants to cause you to keep thinking, keep pondering. Man, I can't do that because I did this when I was 14 years old. And you just say, you know what, I just, I'd like to help out, I just quit. It'd be easier to sit at home. It'd be easier for some of you to sit at home on Sunday morning, snuggled up in a blanket, looking outside where it's cold, and you binge watch Downton Abbey. We have no Downton Abbey fans in here? No? You guys are all lying. This is a big show. Okay, anyway. Look at verse 13 in chapter 5. Jesus here on the Sermon on the Mount, I love it because it's easy to do. I'm sorry, I love it because it's not easy to do. But these words are comforting. Have you ever been corrected and taught a way that wasn't your way, yet after, after you experienced the benefits of learning that way, it was easier? <laughs> we have some friends that thought it would be a good idea. They were going to buy a hog and they were going to do all the butchering themselves. Do you know who they didn't invite? My dad. Do you know what my dad did? He was a butcher. He speaks meat. And how to cut it up. I watched these guys. My uncle and I were in there. And, they, and they, they'd killed this hog. And they bled the hog out. And they come in. And they were hanging it up. The, and listen to me. This is when I knew they were in trouble. Do you know what the very first thing they brought into the shed was? A first aid kit. That's when you know there's a problem. You bring a first aid kit because it's not a matter of if, it's when. Okay, no, we, we butcher hogs all the time. You have to be understanding and un- understand that you need to pick the right people that God has put in front of you. If you were at Connect Group this week, we talked about something that people might as well say a four-letter F word as, as, as they submit. I don't like that word. Because my boss, and he tells me to do something, I don't want to do it because he's an idiot. I'm wrong. I've had bosses. I have bosses. Jesus in verse 13 says this, you, meaning us. He's talking to followers, talking to disciples here, and the people that are gathered around. You are the salt of the earth. Man, did you wake up this morning and go, hmm, I am salt. My best friend likes salt so much that whenever he gets a steak, he doesn't taste his steak first. He just puts salt on it. And I go, Josh, like, dude, I can feel your pulse in my head. 
He goes, oh, you can never get enough salt. I'm like, okay, psycho. I actually want to taste the meat. Okay? He has to drink like two pitchers of water to get his tongue to like desaltize. Okay? To, to get back to normal. It says you. If you want to underline your Bible, you underline you and salt. He's talking specifically to us. You are the salt of the earth. Now, this is easy. This is an easy point. You go north and west of here right now. You come to country bobs. Right? Country Bob's seasoning salt in the Griswold household is bought in the five-pound tubs. Don't think anything less because you wish you knew where it was on sale for five pounds, don't you? So we use, now I'm going to start an absolute war here. I am. And this has nothing to do with spirituality um, other than the fact that in in heaven um, we'll see this debate settled, I think. Uh, I'm going to admit something to you. Some of you are like, oh. I prefer A1 over Country Bob's. All right. Awesome. And some of you have just taken me off your prayer list because you think it's, I'm, a, I'm a lost cause. Listen, let's all get on the same page and say that Country Bob's seasoning salt is pretty good. Okay? And I some of you, well, I need something else. Okay, just for the sake of it being in Centralia, listen to me. Okay? You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Here's something I want you to try. Sprinkle a whole bunch of salt on a plate. Put water in it. Just mix it around for a little while. And leave it out in the sun for a few days. Let it, let it evaporate. And then I want you to bring that salt back in. I want you to apply it to something and see if it tastes the same as it comes out of the, out of the container originally. Sometimes our salt, and he, he says something very, 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 very hard here. Can you make salt salty again? You have to add more salt to it. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? There is nothing better, in my personal opinion, this is me personally, than an inch and a quarter, approximately 18 to 19 ounces, an inch and a quarter thick, ribeye, about between medium rare and medium. There's this this nice little awesome area right there with Country Bob seasoned salt on it. And then you don't even need sauce, so there's no argument. Okay? But there's not, but that, I love how it just brings out the flavor of the meat. I don't, Josh, evident, my best friend just likes the salt, I think, okay? But I want to, it accentuates and it brings out the flavor of the, of the meat. And when you look at spiritually, we're the salt of the earth to bring out the meat of God's word to other people. People should look at us and say, man, something has been applied to you that makes you different than me. But the problem is people quit. People quit. This is very sharp. Jesus literally says, listen, if you quit, you're not enhancing anything. You're not sharing with anybody. You're not being, being added, being added, adding people to the kingdom. Salt that has lost its flavor doesn't add any seasoning to whatever you put it on. When we fail to continue to let God change us, we become one of the most awful words that you can ever hear if you're catering a meal. You ready? It's bland. I don't know very many people that want to go to a steakhouse or go to Rare or go somewhere that has a nice nice steakhouse and they say this, excuse me, sir, can you serve me a steak that's really bland? That's just weird. I speak meat. I don't want bland meat. I want good meat. Bland food is kind of, uh, 
Anybody ever been into the hospital and not been allowed to eat like salt or sugar in your food? It's like, it's like paste, something that's not like, okay, I got to eat. If you could just shoot this in my vein, it'd be a lot better than me having to eat it, right? Listen, it, it, becomes, it becomes to where it's, it's, it's not useful. It's illegal in Illinois. Do not do this. It's totally illegal. But even for cows, you, you, cows is legal. You put out a salt block, they come and they lick it. You also put it right next to water because as soon as they lick the salt, they're going to want to drink water. Deer are attracted to salt. And over in, in this part of the county, over just a little bit east and north of, of Route 15, there's, uh, there are places in the middle of fields that do not grow any crops because they used to have oil pumps and all the salt water and there are salt kills. Now, that's a natural occurring thing, but do you have any idea what goes there all the time? Deer. <laughs> and they go to lick the ground. Salt should be attractive. Look, look at the next blank on your worship handout. Some people even go as far to say, you know what, the things that I do for the kingdom of God, um, I, I'm doing them, but they're just not important. I'm going to be very, very honest with you. If you're doing a job and you don't think it's important because no one notices or you don't get your picture in the paper, and I'm not talking just here, I'm talking at work or anything like that, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If we're doing things spiritually to be known, that's exactly the opposite of the gospel because God wants us to be involved so that he can make himself known. Because you and I without God are absolutely nothing. We have the opportunity to help him to engage him have you ever done anything within the last week that went unnoticed and you wish that wouldn't have gone unnoticed do they have any idea how long i spent on that do they oh my goodness do you know they think they can come in here and they can just sit down and they don't think that anybody, anything's prepped and they think i, I downloaded a sermon off sermon.com I don't care. I, I, it, it helps me. When you're encouraging, it does. But it doesn't affect the fact that I'm going to be here next week preaching a sermon whether you tell me I did a good job or not. It doesn't matter. Okay? I'm asked all the time. And because people, I said it last week, and it was kind of a joke, but it's, some people really think this. They think that I have the only job in the world that I work one day a week, and when I work, they tell me to keep it short. That's completely wrong. Okay? There's not a pastor out there that does that. We have an important job to do. Now, can you be brave with me for a second? No? Is anybody brave enough to say yes? You be brave enough with me right now? Okay, cool. Now we have a game. (laughs) Now you're scared. You don't have to raise your hands, but I want you to answer right here in your head. How many people, if you're, if you're wanting to be brave with me right now, how many people in this life have ever felt like what you do is useless, unimportant, and you go unnoticed? I'll be really brave. And it's not, I'm not talking about here. I'm not talking about, those people don't like me. You love me, and I get that. People may not get, give us credit for what we do all the time, but do you know, do you know that the hours that you spent on your knees in your house praying for those certain people that finally accepted the, God's calling on their life to become a Christian, do you know who did see that? God. 
Do you know who during your studying and during your preparing to teach a connect group or you, you're vacuuming your house to have a connect group come over? Do you know that your people that come here don't see you vacuuming, but do you know who does? God. Do we do it for other people or are we doing it for God? Look at verse 14. I found some absolutely incredible things about this. Before I go on, I want, I want to tell you that maybe you need to write it down on your worship handout. Maybe you, maybe you just need to write down on November 17th at 10.06 a.m. Pastor Matt said this to me, and I need to remember this until I die, because you do. Ready? You're important. You are gigantically important. You are important, and you are loved, and God has a use for you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said he did. And he does say that he does. You're important, but the, here's the question. Will you do what God asks you to do? In verse 14, this is what he asks us to do. He says, you're the light of the world. <sighs> right. Matthew five fourteen. God said he's going to put my name in lights. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. It says, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. I told you last week I was deer hunting in North Dakota a couple weeks ago. And I was up on, a, on one of the highest points around there, and I could see literally to the horizon of the bend of the earth, which is somewhere between 25 and 30 miles. Expanse doesn't even cover what I saw. It was just huge. But I'm telling you right now, if I lit a campfire right there on top of that hill, it could be seen at night from a very, very long way away. So I Googled this because everything on Google is the gospel, so I just made a rough guesstimate, Okay. That was sarcasm, nothing on the, okay, so here you go. If you have average eyesight and you light one candle, and some of them say you can see it for like 20 and 25 miles, I don't know. Maybe we can try that sometime, but here's the deal. If you have regular eyesight on a flat ground, you can see a lit candle for over a mile. A mile. A mile. 1,600 meters, a mile. You can see a candle with a flame about this big. You can see it for a mile. Some of the places I looked said you could see it much further. But this is what we want to do. God wants us to be standing on this hill going, I have the light and I know where you're supposed to go. The problem is in my college days or the time that I spent running, I said, I know where to go, just I don't want to do it right now. Anybody ever been there? We're not brave enough to say yes. A city on a hilltop. Our church should be a light. Yesterday, we had the opportunity to be light and to be salt. We handed out spiral cut salted pig. Boom. It's good. It's really good. We got to say, I love you. This guy, this guy, I told this guy like three times that we loved him, and he did not know how to react, so I thought it was so funny, I just kept telling him that we loved him. You know what I thought after, after I talked to him? I don't think he's heard it very much. I said, man, we just want to tell you that we love you. You what? I didn't think he heard me, so I told him again. I said, we just want to tell you that we love you. Okay, and he, he didn't know how to react. If you're around somebody that doesn't know how to react to that, chances are they haven't heard it that much, or they don't know what love is. We are supposed to be the light of the world. Here's where the problem instills. You can be salt. You can be light. You can also choose to not be. 
That's where our freedom of our free will comes in, our choice comes in. Because we can say, nah, I'm done. I'm done with that. We can, we can, we can stop. We can, we can go blend in. We can choose to not do it anymore. Many times in my life, and this, ser- this sermon just kept reiterating things, and I kept go- getting tossed up by Satan, but God would remind me that I've already talked to him about this. But just as examples, I remembered how many times I could have spoken up about Jesus and my faith, and I didn't. Last night, I'm just thankful that I had an opportunity to share with, with, this, with this girl about who Jesus is. Listen, I don't know if you understand this, but sharing your faith from a, as a Christian with a Muslim is a huge deal. And the fact that she was accepting an understanding of what I said is an even bigger deal. And God just chose to use me last night, and I don't know why. I didn't want to represent my, my light out there because I wanted to fit in. Athletes don't have faith-based things. I'm going to be a major league baseball player. I'm going to be a stud athlete, and I'm not I'm just going to take this Jesus thing and put it to the side. They can do that later, really. That's kind of neat because Albert Pujols had a pretty good career. Adam Wainwright has had a pretty good career. He was a quarterback for the Seahawks, I believe. Very, very outspoken about his faith. But I chose to not do it. Verse 15 says this, No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. If you watch Downton Abbey, I know some of you watch it, and you're just not being brave enough. I do. You know, you think less of me? No, listen. Yeah, listen. This is old school, early 1900s. They light candles, and they go around the house. Here's the deal. I want you to try this tonight. Don't use any electricity. Have a candle by your bed. If you want to get up and use the bathroom, no lights in the bathroom, no light, night, nothing. And I want you to have your kids arrange a Lego maze between you and the bathroom and you don't get a light. See, we think that's absolutely insane and we would never do that because Legos on your feet are like a type of torture. It's like right next to kicking with your pinky toe, kicking that metal thing right under your bed on the bed frame. See, you know. Having these, having these things in front of us, it makes no sense. It makes zero sense. I know the Caldwell boys, they have Legos and Legos and Legos and Legos. Their spiritual gift is Legos. <laughs> it would be crazy if they set up a, like a minefield. It would be impossible. It would not be fun to try to walk through that without a light. So why do we need a light? Because we know where to step. But when you light a light, it lights up the whole room. You ever been to a candlelight service? Remember the candlelight service we had at the primary center? No electricity. Just, I think we had electric lights around the front, but just this whole glow. It was beautiful as we celebrated Jesus' birth. In the same way, look at verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's not about us. I'm going to do what I need to do, what God tells me to do, so that I will get my name in lights. No. If you do that, that's for the wrong reason. And by the way, just from experience, let me tell you that if the more that you try to do that, the more humble God will make you, I promise. He opposes the proud. Read Scripture. He opposes, James 4.10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. That doesn't mean he will lift you up in lights. It says he will lift you up in honor and take into that consideration in eternity. Your, our reward is not here. Your retirement is not here. I don't care how much you have in 401k. 
I don't care about your stock options. I don't care what your portfolio looks like. I'm telling you right now that eternity, your reward in eternity is based on what we do here. And we are not called to be timid. We're to show people. Hey, I told that guy yesterday. I'm telling you, I wish I had on video. He looked so wigged out. I said, hey, man, we love you. Oh, okay. You got to take a couple steps back. I said, we just want to tell you that we love you. Many people took the food from us yesterday. And they didn't even have the audacity to ask which church we were from. You know what I think about that? Great. Not one person took a connection card from me. Not one person that I gave a hand to had any clue that I was the pastor of this church. Not one. You know why I didn't answer him? Because I didn't ask. Because it's not about that. We were a part of a team, the big C church yesterday. Look at the last blank. It's not all about us. It's all about God. Because God has given you the ability to clean bathrooms, play piano, guitar, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, and violin, and whatever that is, ish, tech stuff. I don't, I don't know that. Whatever, he's given you the ability to, to clean, to, to wash, to make popcorn, to make coffee. He's done it. And he's instilled that in you so that you can show other people. Do you know there were people that came in this morning? And met people that have been here for a long time. And those people that have been here a long time, look at those people that just walked in and say, it's good to see you today. <sighs> they have no idea what you did. They had no idea that you came in early to practice music. They had no idea that you practice on Wednesday night and, and are going through inner ear stuff and doing all this. They had no idea. They don't know. They don't know that you took time out of your schedule after you were tired after work to study your connect group lesson for two or three days so that you could lead a group of people and then only one or two showed up. That doesn't matter. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's all about him. So I wonder, this is the question. This is a huge question. When we talk about salt and light, we talk about where do we go from here and our next step as a follower of Christ. Here's the deal. Ready? If God asks you to do something, will you do it? Keep in mind what I said earlier. American Christians especially, we're really good starters. We're not good finishers. One of, my, one, of my, one of my journals that I journaled with uh, for discipleship group, we have one more week, people, one more. I can't believe it. One of my verses, it said this, with my dying breath, I will praise you. I'll praise you my whole life, and with my dying breath, I will, I will give you praise. And it says, praise the Lord. Are we willing to say, God, here's my life? Use it. If we do, could you imagine the impact that we would have on our community and we would have on our world? This is anti-American Christianity. Because American Christianity wants to lean towards it's all about me and God can get whatever he needs. It's all about him. It's all about him. If one Sunday we come in and all this is gone and all the lights are gone and all the screens are just poked holes in all of them and they don't work and I smash those and we had to sing everything just acoustically with, or acapella with no, with no instruments, would that be enough for you? See, we, we really like to go, oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes man, amen, all right, yeah. Keep in mind, our life is filled with conveniences. 
It's a really hard pill to swallow. This is a really hard sermon for me to preach. I have all kinds of people praying for me because I said it's not fun. I don't want to say much of this stuff. And it's very difficult to do because I fail at all of it. But I wonder if there's a need, if there's something that you can do. Will you be a good finisher? Will you be a kingdom impactor? Will you, will you be the salt and the light that God has called you to be? And I'll let you discuss that with God. You figure out what God is wanting you to do. Maybe he wants to have a relationship with you. Maybe you need to understand that Jesus died for you and you need to accept him. That's the first step. Let's pray. God, we love you. It would be totally ignorant of me to just dismiss the fact that some of these questions that we asked aren't very real to people in this room. God, we do feel stressed. We do feel pushed. We do feel beaten. We do feel defeated. We, we get knocked down. Sometimes we get knocked out. And we try to follow you. Satan just attacks us so hard. God, you have called us in your word to be the salt and to be the light of this world. We're to be different. Our seasoning should prove to the world that we're different. Help us finish well. Help us finish. God, we love you and we give you all the glory for everything that goes on. In your name that we pray, amen.